What's going on guys, my name is Elden Hero and welcome to your tape. This is episode 10 of my 13 Reasons Why review series. I'm sorry that this episode is coming 5 days after the last one. I have been really really busy working on some other stuff but um, I just watched this episode all ready to review it, have my notes done and uh, and all of that so if you guys want to leave a like early on in the video that would be awesome if you're listening on soundcloud the youtube link will be in the description if you want to click it for a you know scene refresher so that you know what you're looking at and uh, all of that stuff and other than that just thank you so much for continuing to listen the whole way through because this gets consistent listens on soundcloud and itunes like there seems to be people there who are listening to every episode and it's the same people every time and that's great and to those of you who stuck with it through episode one until now uh thank you very much and those of you who are very active on the subreddit and stuff like that i really appreciate that it's awesome to see that people are just you know tuning in to hear what i have to say about this really controversial four month old show <laughs> so um also a lot of people are leaving review not reviews uh suggestions for future shows that I should review and um, I should let you know what I have planned to do so I have a couple of movie reviews I have planned I know they're not really going over that well but um, I kind of like doing it so I think I'm going to keep doing it um, just basic Netflix stuff that I've been watching recently also there's been a couple of shouts for Riverdale I'm not sure if I'm going to do that I, I don't know something about it doesn't really appeal to me that's not to say that I think I won't enjoy it um, I think that when The Walking Dead returns I'm going to review that episode by episode um so ideally what will happen is the day after the episode is aired in america i'll watch it probably won't be able to get the review up that quickly but it should be within two days of its actual airtime um which should be pretty good because i like watching the walking dead even though i don't always like the walking dead so i feel like that's a show that i'd have a lot to say about anyways um i guess i've baffled on for too long here baffled on rambled on for too long let's get into my review for episode this episode opens with clay reliving an old memory of a car crash that he witnessed and hannah saying that sometimes things just happen to you and it's all about how you react to that the next scene is in Jessica's room where she's lying in bed with Justin. He says it's been a while since he was at her house and she reminds him that her party was actually the last time he was there. There's a noticeable tension here and a silent space created by Justin as he mulls over what happened but can't say anything else because he's afraid and he's also angry at himself. As he motions to leave he picks up his jacket and sees an empty bottle of vodka under Jessica's bed. There's a moment here where it seems like he's about to lose his head. He's about to get all judgmental and you know begin to raise his voice but he doesn't let her know that he's even seen it. And he just leaves and he says sweet dreams. It's obvious that Justin understands addiction given his mother's implied history in this show. What's more though is that he understands he's the one driving Jessica into this addiction. He knows that she's fighting the truth with the bottle and it's him who put her in that position. He also has probably figured out that she stole that bottle from his mother and maybe he's thinking oh well... <laughs> her taking up this addiction alleviates some of my mother's addiction I don't know but instead of doing anything he just walks out and with only three episodes to go after this I'm wondering if we will get the Justin redemption story that we deserve 
Because, like, they've painted him as an underdog of sorts, and that tells me that there's hope for him yet, but I'm really not sure. He kind of doesn't do anything to redeem himself in any of these episodes. He walks out of the room, and the timeline shifts to the past, where we see Hannah exiting the room during Jessica's party, obviously shaken to the core after what she has witnessed, which we saw quite vividly in the last episode. Clay walks out of the party and tells Jeff that he's leaving. Jeff is disappointed and he seems like a good guy and his relationship with Clay seems like it's a healthy one for both parties. Also, I've noticed that Clay is wearing the same clothes he was at the start of the episode and the dots connected in my head to realize that the car crash on his walk home was witnessed here on this walk home. I am a genius. Give me all of the likes and the comments. Hannah is offered a lift home from Sherry. But in the cassette, she ominously says, maybe it would have been better if we both stayed at the party. We learn here that this is Sherry's tape. The car ride is one of the most telegraphed scenes in this whole show. As Sherry starts looking through her purse to get her phone to give to Hannah, because Hannah's battery has died. And then Hannah's Jeep crashes into the stop sign that we saw Clay observing the remnants of at the start of the episode. It's clear here that Sherry caused the accident that the old man had by removing the stop sign. Hannah urges Sherry to call the police, but Sherry gets in her Jeep and drives away because she has brain damage or something. This is such a weird scene because that is not how normal people react to situations in real life, or maybe it is. I mean, one thing that runs true um, all the way in this show, like a consistent undercurrent, is that these are teenagers and they're scared of getting in trouble, right? So like, they're teenagers which means they're a step above a child with ice cream all over their face and you say have you been eating ice cream and they say no but they're also a step below full adult responsibilities and that's something that I don't think I give enough credit to in the writing when I talk about this show because I'm an adult and when I watch it I'm sort of often perplexed as to why they do the things that they do but it's you know, they're teenagers and they just haven't fully developed a sort of a moral code yet and they're in the middle of figuring all of that out while everything else is going on, like trying to be popular and fit in and all of those things. Anyway, Hannah goes into the liquor store where Bryce assaulted her and calls the police who inform her that this has already been called in. Clay walks into the same liquor store and speaks to the human dustbin working behind the counter and he's equally as unhelpful here as he was back then, playing on his phone and just generally representing the inner waste man that exists in all of us and drags us down. There's another little scene with Hannah's parents discussing their opposing views of their case against the school. They're being offered a settlement deal and encouraged to take it by the school's legal team, or at least they're informed that it's possible to get a good deal out of settling in terms of the school giving a statement and announcing preventative measures for the next kid and so on. Andy is suggesting this might be a good idea, but Olivia wants to fight this until the end. Then we pan to Alex, Marcus, Zach and Courtney talking about Clay being suspended. Marcus is smugly declaring victory while Zach and Alex doubt that he made any real difference. There's an interesting moment where Ryan arrives and he asks why they're all defending Bryce, which is such a good question. He refers to Bryce as a rapist and Marcus and Zach are like, whoa, 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 you can't say that word, bro. Zach seems to think there's no way Bryce would go to jail. I'm not sure if that's because of his social standing, like his social class, the family that he comes from, or if it's because there's just a complete lack of evidence to get him into a cell. But it's strange that they won't even acknowledge the fact that Bryce is literally a rapist. Clay turns up to school with his hood up and he talks to Sherry. 
Might be the only suspended kid ever to sneak into school. We learn here that there was a fatal accident and alcohol was involved. And evidently, there was no mention of the stop sign in the police report. Clay is trying to convince Sherry to go to the police and make it right. She makes a compelling case for herself and arranges to meet Clay after school to show him how she's making things better. Then we transition to the past, where Alex approaches Clay at the football field in school. He asks Clay if he's okay. And this whole scene had me super confused until I realized that I haven't seen Jeff in the present at all since this whole show started. I have been rumbled. I can't believe that I didn't cop this before. Although I will say this, it's really strange that this was only mentioned in passing by the principal when he really confused me by saying he'd lost two students over the last couple of months. But yeah, this this twist had me rocked. Like I cannot believe that I didn't pick up on this at all, that I didn't notice it. Um it's it's absolutely nuts and I feel like I have to recontextualize all of my opinions like in light of this, you know, new new story that's occurred. Hannah approaches Clay, presumably to try and talk to him about the rape, but Clay reacts really badly to this. I think Clay's position here is understandable, though, because him and Jeff were quite close, and he felt like he'd been burned by Hannah somehow. He was angry at Jeff over the drunk driving thing. We don't know why yet, because we don't know what went on in the room beforehand, but we do know that Clay was very close to getting in the car with Jeff. This is a huge twist. Like, I just did not get close to seeing this coming. Justin and Jessica are fooling around in the, in the theater room. Or maybe it's just called a theater. Justin is all antsy here, and he doesn't want to take it any further. Mainly because they're in a public space, but also because of the whole guilty conscience thing that he has going on. They go to the stage to try and turn off the single light that's lighting the entire room, and Jessica starts throwing like nails or something at it to see if she can break it. Justin is concerned by her behavior here, and he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? She starts throwing stuff at him, telling him to throw it back, and she calls him a pussy. Eventually, he exits stage left, and Jessica knocks over the light, shattering the bulb on top of the stage. Tyler approaches Sherry in the school hall, asking if he can come with her to meet Clay so they can talk to him. He says the other kids want to bring him down, but maybe they can talk to him. He says that Clay always seemed nice. Tyler seems like such a lost soul, like just ready to bring that gun into school like I mentioned in a previous episode. Monty then arrives on the scene and swings his ego into the conversation in the name of protecting Sherry from the camera freak Tyler. He starts waving his ego around and Alex turns up. Alex really kills it in this scene. Monty says, fuck you Alex, to which Alex replies, no thanks, you're just not man enough. Then Monty walks away, as does Alex, and Tyler says to Alex, I suppose you want me to thank you, and Alex replies with, actually I'd rather if you never said anything to me ever again. <laughs> I smirked while that happened, and I think Alex is kind of a badass. Like, he's an interesting character because, I don't know, in some ways he's frustrating, and in other ways he's pretty cool, but he's far closer to the likable end of the spectrum than any of his idiot jock friends. There's a really short scene that follows this where Jessica gets into Bryce's car and really startles him because he's just after buying some weed. 
She kind of comes on to Bryce here and invites him over to her house, saying her parents won't be home for a couple of days. And in this scene, the camera is zoomed right in on their faces. Like when Jessica talks, the whole screen is her face. And the same goes for Bryce. And usually you'll see this technique used in horror movies to build tension. And that made me think that something more was going to come from this. That Jessica was not coming on to Bryce, but that she was going to try and get revenge on Bryce. That was at least my hope anyway. There's a scene from the preliminary stages of settlement negotiations involving the Bakers, their lawyer, and Lainey, who is, I guess, represented, like, she's representing the school and she's also there with someone else, maybe her paralegal or something, I'm not too sure. The scene itself is one you've seen thousands of times in law shows, but after the cross-table scene, we see Lainey and Olivia talking in the bathroom. Olivia is wondering what Clay's life would be worth to Lainey and what she'd do in her position. Lainey basically tells Olivia that she would keep fighting for the truth, no matter what, no matter how much it hurt or how much she didn't actually want to hear it. It was great to see these two come together in a scene, because I'm quite a big fan of the two of these, and I, I think they're both really good actors and really good characters in the show. Um, I hope we get to see more of them. Like, I think there's a lot of scope for a good relationship between these two characters. Like, one that starts out with them on opposing sides of a legal fight and ideally ends with them being friends. But who knows? I, I think it'd be a good dynamic, but we're kind of running out of episode space here. And I'm not sure how many of my, like, dream scenarios are going to come true. But that would be a pretty good one. Clay cycles to the destination that Sherry texted him to meet after school. And as he gets there, he has this puzzled look on his face as he says, no way, as if he's been here before. The color then changes to the past and it's the night of the accident. Clay knocks on the door and an elderly woman answers. Clay tells her that her husband was in an accident and that he's okay. Clay knocks on the door in the present time and sees the husband walking down the stairs with Sherry. She says she's been helping them out over the last few weeks, ever since the accident, and she's making it up to them in her own way, like she's making up for her mistake. Clay urges her to tell the truth so that Jeff's family can have the comfort of knowing that Jeff wasn't drunk driving. This is sort of a hard scene because Sherry tells Clay that it's her secret to keep, it's not his, and like she's right. But her knocking down the stop sign definitely led to this accident, which definitely led to the loss of Jeff's life. That's a fact. But What's also a fact is that Jeff said he had two beers two hours ago before he got in the car. And like, even if that's two bottles of, of your standard 330ml Budweiser that they drink in America a lot, according to TV, two hours isn't going to do anything towards getting that out of his system. And I presume he's underage here. I don't know what the legal limits are in the state of liberty high topia or whatever imaginary place they're in, but under Irish law, this is definitely over the limit. It's not really possible to conclude that alcohol didn't play a part here, and that's my take on the dilemma. I, I can't really stand behind Clay saying that Jeff said he wasn't drunk and I believe him. Doesn't matter if Jeff didn't think he was drunk. Having two beers and then driving two hours later when you're 17? Like, <laughs> that's, that's just not going to be easy for you. That's not going to be an easy drive. Jessica brings Bryce into her home. She's saying that she feels high and that she only had two hits, but two hits is a lot. She opens her dad's safe, and I actually thought that she was going to be reaching for some very expensive bottle here. But the safe is actually full of guns, and she takes out a Glock. Bryce is really taken aback here at the sight of the gun. Um, it's pretty clear that he is not entirely clued in to what's happening. 
Um, but it's not clear if this is just Jessica showing off or if this is a real intimidation tactic. It's got all the hallmarks of intimidation, and I'm inclined to think that's what it is. But I'm not sure what the purpose of her doing that now would be. Maybe it's to let Bryce sort of live in fear of what she's capable of. I'm just not too sure. My only concern is that Tyler doesn't get into this cabinet and find a gun, because if he does, at least half the kids in that school are going to die. But anyway, she teaches Bryce how to point the gun and pull the trigger. Eventually, he does pull the trigger with the empty mag, and then the camera pans to Jeff's photo in his family home where Clay is visiting. Clay tells uh, Jeff's parents his story, that he was the first one at the scene. He called 911. He knew that the stop sign had already been knocked down. Actually, sorry, he didn't know that, but he learned that before he had come here. Um, but he didn't think that Jeff had been drinking. That was what he told them. It's a pretty tense scene, and I was sort of surprised that he went straight there to tell them and tell them so honestly. They seemed moved by the information, but not angry. Um, that's kind of unexpected, especially the way Jeff's dad acted kind of hostile to Clay. But the scenes of Clay arriving at the accident made me wonder why Clay told Tony he'd never seen a crime scene before, because that seemed an awful lot like a crime scene. Hannah says that she wanted to tell them, but she couldn't, and that's why Clay told them. He did what Hannah couldn't. Hannah also says that she's angry of what she could have had, but didn't. She was referring to Clay here. She calls it a stupid decision, and as harsh as this sounds, she's right. But not because of her reaction in the aftermath of Jessica's party or anything to do with the last couple of episodes. Her stupid decision is the fact that she read Clay correctly straight away in episode 1, but she went for Justin instead. And that is the worst decision of the show so far. Tony joins Clay in the park as he finishes out the tape with a less harrowing cover of Joy Division's atmosphere playing in the background and... I guess, in turn, a less atmospheric cover of Joy Division's Atmosphere. It's what That's probably my favorite Joy Division song, and this cover does it no justice whatsoever, but I guess it's fairly inoffensive. Clay tells Tony that he's the one who found Jeff, which renders my notes from two scenes ago pretty fucking useless, because I was all like, oh, why didn't Clay tell him this? And then we figure out that he was just sitting on that information, and, you know, he had to understand exactly what happened with Jeff before he could tell Tony what happened um but yeah I, I I guess this you know now you get to see my thought process that I write the notes down and then I say what I was thinking at the time anyway Clay learns here from Tony that next up is his tape and Clay asks Tony if he killed Hannah Baker Clay asks Tony if I killed Hannah Baker as if did I Clay Jensen kill Hannah Baker and after lots of classic Tony question dodging he says yeah and then the episode ends so that was a pretty juicy revelation to uh, to keep us interested in what happens next this was a really good episode the twist was unreal and I cannot believe how mind-blowing it was to me I guess it's because a lot of the scenes involving Tony and Jeff were kind of tactically placed in the not too far into the past. Um, and that's why I never noticed it. But it's bizarre because I did actually have a thought. When Clay was about to throw the rock at Tyler's window. I don't know what episode that was. And Marcus approached him and tried to encourage him to sort of throw the tapes away. My first thought watching that was. Why isn't it Jeff asking Clay to throw the tapes away? Because Jeff 
obviously doesn't have a whole lot of intellectual depth like he's a very nice guy but he's not really that strong of a thinker and this would be his kind of reasoning like yeah you got to just throw them away and get on with your life this is nothing to but then i learned that marcus was like strategically urging clay to throw away the tapes because he didn't want to be implicated in any crimes and then it just made me lose that train of thought. Like, I was wondering why Jeff wasn't in the present, but I never ran with it because I had found another excuse to explain it away. So, um, yeah, it's crazy. And I guess it gives another, like, window into Clay's mental state. He had just lost someone who was a friend to him, but he was angry at Jeff for drunk driving when telling him that he wasn't drunk but now clay has changed his mind and believes him that he wasn't drunk even though i think that that's i'm skeptical as to whether or not he was drunk but yeah that's episode 10 um i gotta say it's good television it's it's a good show it keeps you guessing like it really does um usually with teen shows i find them incredibly easy to read but i think i do this show a disservice by constantly referring to it as a teen show because it has some complex themes in it and it's it's more i don't know it's a more powerful show because of that i guess i can't really map any of this stuff into the real world so it doesn't hit me emotionally but it does hit me as like you know a person who's interested in good television and that's very much what this is proving to be so hopefully episode 11 won't be as long of a wait and thank you guys so much for all of the support on the series um, it's just really awesome that you're sort of sticking with me while my channel transitions into something else because um, this is what I want to do. And um, yeah, thanks. I've been El De Niro. Thanks for listening. <laughs>